Gumbo listeners, this episode is brought to you in part by Is your business prepared for disruptions caused by severe weather, user errors, or ransomware attacks? With Quorum, you are ready. And your business won't miss a beat when the world around you seems to be falling apart. Visit Quorum.com, Q-U-O-R-U-M.com for more information. Welcome to Data Protection Gumbo, the podcast where we cook up a delicious blend of cybersecurity, privacy, and data protection topics to serve you a hearty bowl of insights. Whether you like your gumbo spicy with a dash of encryption or prefer a milder flavor with a side of compliance, we've got you covered. So grab a spoon, sit back, and let's dive into the pot of data protection gumbo. Welcome to Data Protection Gumbo. I am your host, Demetrius Malbro, and today we have a fantastic show lined up for you. And I actually have on a very special guest. His name is Zach Cohen. And he is the COO and co-founder of Filebase. What is Filebase? Filebase is a leading decentralized cloud storage provider that enables developers and enterprises to take advantage of multiple decentralized storage networks without any of the complexity or crypto tokens and this is all using a familiar S3 compatible API interface. Uh, now, Zach specifically, he has 20 plus years of experience within the virtualization storage and also data center space working for companies like Western Digital, Citrix, and Dell Software. So, Zach, welcome to the gumbo. Hey, D. Happy to be here. This is exciting. Wow, I, I get the new nickname, D. Okay, <laughs> awesome, cool. <laughs> we, we go back, so that's uh, that, that, yeah, that's how you send emails. So every time I ever yeah, I do, I do, I do. It shows up as D. So yeah, both my my first and last name is just super long. It's too many letters. <laughs> yeah, we can keep it. We can keep it informal if you want. Yeah, yeah, we we can do that. But first, just give the listeners an an overall update of what is Filebase. Sure. So many people have heard probably recently, especially with all the crypto and Web3 stuff of the term decentralized storage. Filebase, our company, is what's called the layer two solution. So we're an application. Uh, We're not a crypto token or a network or a blockchain. We take advantage of all of these different types of storage offerings, cold storage, hot storage, and uh, basically aggregate them together under a familiar S3 compatible interface. So developers, enterprises, businesses using services that obviously have S3 compatibility, they can take advantage of some of the cost savings, uh, protection uh, benefits, and obviously the resiliency of decentralized storage networks without any of the complexity or tokens. And so we really strive ourselves of helping to make it as simple as Amazon. Customers get access to free storage. If they like the product, they swipe their credit card and off they go. They would treat it very similar to like a Backblaze or Wasabi, any other, you know, uh, object storage target. And uh, the million dollar question is, is I guess, is this tied to the cost of a, uh, like if Bitcoin goes up or down, does the cost of the storage also go up and down based on the coin that it's backed by? That's probably one of the top questions we always get. Most, most of these networks, so if you think about decentralized storage, there's a blockchain, which is a consensus mechanism. A lot of the metadata goes on the blockchain, but it is uh, by nature proof of peer-to-peer uh, fashion with proof-of-work tokens. So we effectively buy crypto tokens. The crypto tokens are used as collateral with storage renters and hosts 
So you at home, if you have a NAS device or a data center in your basement, all the way up to like the Equinixes of the world, there's a lot of idle capacity. And so these networks will pay you in crypto token to keep it online, care and fed, available with internet and put data from all over the world onto these devices. Everything's encrypted at rest and at transit. If you were a participant in this ecosystem, uh, you wouldn't be able to see any of the data. It's all blips and blobs of data, but you effectively are helping to participate in the growth of these networks that have exabytes of capacity. Um, most data centers, even your iPhone or your NAS device, they're not 100% full. So the idea is that decentralized storage takes advantage of unused and underutilized hardware from all over the world and pairs that to the blockchain that deals with all the storage contracts and file repairs, what happens when a node off goes offline. Um, we all know what happens when Amazon goes down, when a centralized cloud provider goes down. If you have data in one region, you're down and you can't access it. In, in the idea of decentralized storage, data is, is sharded and encrypted and split up all over the world. So from like a resiliency perspective, your actual data is not sitting siloed somewhere in Virginia. It could be down, a part of the, the file could be down the street. And so from like a latency perspective, from a durability perspective, um, it's, it's pretty interesting. There's a lot of different types of networks out there. Some work very similar to Amazon Glacier. Uh, cold storage, you may have heard of Filecoin, one of the leading crypto storage tokens. That works similar to Glacier, where you have to upload data and wait to retrieve it. We work with other networks like Saya, which is based in Boston. They're one of the first decentralized storage networks. That's hot storage. That offers a 10 of 30 erasure coding system. So if you give me a file, we'll split it up shard it into 30 pieces all over the world and geo-distribute them on these nodes that we're paying for and helping to assure the durability of data. We only need 10 out of those 30 of those nodes to remain online to get Demetrius's data back. And so this is where you get a 3x replication. If you send data to Amazon or any other cloud, you're just sending it to a single region. In the event of failure or outage or act of God or any of this stuff, and these things do happen, um, business continuity generally replicates data. So this is called, you know, the three, two, one backup strategy. You should put data in more than one location. The, the really thing that's interesting me about decentralized storage and why we got into this is because you get that by default by using these networks. So on file-based, customers don't have to replicate data. They get that native 3x replication just by using the product at no additional cost. Um, as you know very well, the cost of data transfer is very expensive. It's three times the cost of storage generally on the public cloud. Um, that's why most businesses and enterprises have five to seven copies of data all over the world. They keep it locally, they put it here, they put it there. Um, we believe at FileBase that some portion of business and enterprise data should go on these new technologies. The other benefit, uh, like we talked about outages and accessibility, you as the customer can retrieve your data at any time. You can even go around us as your managed service provider to go and fetch your content. And so that's that's you know been something that we've been exploring, and it's very interesting. Okay, so you, you've you've listed a a lot of benefits uh, around just decentralized storage in general, and how how you do it over there at at FileBase. And you know, I'm really curious to tap into like what led you to the creation of the company, but not necessarily the, the story about the company, but I'm really looking for 
some of the changes kind of like what what has happened in the storage industry sure. over the last let's say maybe 3 to 5 years with the rise of of public cloud and and now web 3 what what have you seen uh, just from a industry change perspective so my my background's in virtualization i saw the rise of companies like vmware people going from physical to virtual I believe that it's not a question of if, but when these technologies will become prevalent in the data center. And so it's very similar to kind of how things started. Um, a lot of, go back five years, a lot of these networks started to publish white papers, open binaries, and actually allow people to try to interact and store data. Myself and my co-founder go back about 20 years. He's a programmer by design, a lot of backend web services and AWS experience. And he downloaded one of these projects, Saya got a couple SIA coin, put it in the wallet, and tried to actually... How do you spell that? S-I-A. S-I-A. SIA, yep, based in Boston. Um, and you have to download the wallet, download the blockchain. It's about 50 to 100 gigs. You have to wait for it to sync and come online. You have to go burn the tokens and effectively provide tokens to the network and, to these, uh, and establish these storage contracts. The contracts generally range from 3 to 12 months, and you're locking in you know, terabytes of data. The problem is, is that you got to go do all of that. You have to go get a wallet. You have to go to an exchange, KYC at an exchange. And most people don't want to go do that. We, that's, that's kind of our belief, you know, just to get access to cheaper performance storage. And so that the initial idea for Filebase really came from the belief that this is very complex. It's very new. It's very exciting. And there's a lot of you know, uh, storage benefits to it. But it, it is for the everyday developer or enterprise, it's a bridge too far. And so we, we, we believe that these technologies will be adopted, but they'll be adopted by a middleware layer, just like people don't want to run data centers. So they send their data to Amazon or Backblaze, et cetera. And so, um, you know, initially the company started with an MVP of the SIA network. That was our first product. We are multi-cloud by default and by design. So we're, we're uh, our S3 API was written internally it adapts to these networks. We do all the heavy lifting to make it actually uh, compatible with the S3 interface and all the SDKs and, and products out there. Um, but what we're doing is, you know, we're the ones doing all the legwork. And so we're, uh, the agility of that for the customer is really exciting to see. They don't have to deal, or even in most cases, know the crypto's there. Most people just treat it like a storage target. Yeah, it, it sounds pretty cool. And I, I I myself know that none of this would be possible if there was not a really easy way to get access to these devices and to communicate with these different endpoint devices and and literally from from point to point one one thing to another one system to another and that's through APIs right being able to speak the language and get and pull and you know just really being able to have that that clear communication to do things. What what role do you think APIs have played in, let's say, the storage industry and overall the data management and analytics space? So, you know, the S3 interface was the, you know, S3 was the second service created by Amazon, I think, back in 2006. Uh, Google, Oracle, Microsoft, they all have S3 compatible interfaces today. Products out there, again, Veeam, Commvault. Veritas. Most backup providers offer that. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, and the benefit is, is that it's a, it's, you know, an API is obviously a translation layer to interact different products and services. Amazon has helped to standardize that so that when you use Dropbox or when you go to the wall street journal and you look at a static image or a file, you're really retrieving that through the API on Amazon servers. And so 
you know, that over the last 20 years, it really has become the gold standard for how object storage and how data, uh, vir you know, virtual data sets have been transmitted over the wire. And so that was, you know, one of the reasons why we took an early decision to standardize on that. If any of these Web3 networks are ever going to work out or if decentralized storage is going to become mainstream, you have to get the data out of Amazon somehow. And you have to get you have to make it easy to get from obviously Web2 to Web3. You asked a question earlier over the last like five years or so. You know, the public cloud is growing at a 30% CAGR. There's obviously a lot of concerns recently around the cost of the cloud. I talked about data transfer rates. Um, and so, you know, there's been a huge focus, especially with COVID, digital transformation, people working at home, accessing data all over the world. Getting data closest to the user, I think, has really become a focus for enterprises and businesses. You know, it, it's very costly to, you know, rent uh, public clouds and build out physical data centers. And so a lot of edge technologies, obviously CDNs have been very helpful with that. And I think that's actually, you know, a really interesting thing with decentralized storage, because that piece of data could be down the street. It, it doesn't have to go, you know, across country zones and borders. Um, to actually provide that access. And so APIs will continue to play a very strong role in that in, in that integration and uh, operation. Now, I'm going to ask a, a really far out question. Please, love it. What would the world look like without AWS, without Google Cloud, and without Microsoft Azure? Like, I mean, we were there, right? We, we lived that life, but what would it look like now that they've been introduced in all this hype around, oh, the cloud, this, it's that. And you might, I mean, it's, it's amazing until you get there, but you start sending workloads there and then the cost started at, starts adding up and you realize, wow, I'm getting this million dollar, $2 million or even more bill that's coming <laughs> back. So, but what would that world look like now if none of those things existed or maybe What's the next best thing? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I would hope that we wouldn't all be running mainframes. You know, I think... Uh, <laughs> they're still so good, overall, though. Overall, yeah, 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 30 years later, they're still, they're still knocking without a tick. Um, you know, I, I, I think the cloud has enabled businesses, obviously, to scale very dramatically um, and, you know, not have to go and manage it themselves. Like I said earlier, swiping a credit card getting a bill at the end of the month, yep. but then there's sticker shock. And then there's, you know, a Hotel California problem. You can check out anytime you like, but you can't leave. Mm -hmm. And this is why most businesses and enterprises have taken a strategy to just go put the data elsewhere and to go replicate the data across many different regions because it's too expensive to leave. And so this is, you know, over the last few years, we've seen a rise of concern over centralization of all of this data you know, Amazon takes up X percent of Fortune 500 companies bill every every month, every week. Um, and so consumers, enterprises and businesses are looking not only for a way to reclaim their data, but save costs. And so those two real tenants and, and things that the public cloud aren't really focused on, that's really where decentralized storage helps with that because it is cost effective. It's taking advantage of unused storage capacity all over the world. And these renters and nodes would rather get something for nothing. So it's very cost effective. The problem is it's not very performant at scale, which is why companies like Filebase to be able to help provide that access are really valuable. Um, I, I think to answer your question, you know, it, it would be, I, I would think the technology may, pro progress of technology may be altered from that, you know, that approach if we didn't have the public cloud. I have my iPhone, we have iCloud, 
you know, think about going back 10 to 15 years, we didn't have, you know, these things, especially the ability to just take this podcast and listen to it on my phone. And so um, that's the, that's probably the, the, the biggest impact of the cloud is that data is literally right next to you always. Yeah, yeah. Um, my refrigerator has Wi-Fi now and all of this stuff. And so um, the cloud has impacted us in more ways than just, you know, digital transformation. It, it really is uh, everywhere. And so, you know, I would hope that we would be better off, but uh, it certainly has provided probably more mm-hmm. more good than bad. Yeah, and one one thing that I I've been noticing too is that I think the because we talk about data as being the new currency, right? But sure, yeah, it's the new oil. <laughs> what's more, what's more important than than data now that everything needs, and if if we don't have it, then data wouldn't be created. Yeah, I mean, we, 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 we can't fit it all on floppy disks anymore. And I don't even know, I don't know the last time I saw a DVD. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm talking something even even more fundamental that we don't really think about, right? It, this, this thing moving toward electric, electricity, right? Electric cars. So we're moving from gas to electric cars and these batteries and being able to pl- charge the batteries up. You know, data centers, a cloud, it's all powered by electricity. Uh, interesting fact: A Tesla generates about a, a terabyte of data per day. Just one terabyte? From I mean, from a lot of the recording of the cameras and all. Yeah. Oh, a Tesla. Okay, okay, okay. So that's three hundred and fifty-six yeah. terabytes I mean, it's, a it's, year. Data's ever David. Data's everywhere. I mean, obviously, um, you know, we we we're not using abacuses and and uh, you know calculators anymore it's 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 a different world cool and i i also wanted to ask you because you you're a very smart guy and you i think you are a, a visionary right you are a little bit ahead of your time and then you 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 have like these theories of what you've created just with with filebase but i, I want to just get your definition of web 3 what is it and maybe give us some use cases around data protection We'll, we'll be we'll be here all day if we if we spend it on Web three. But um, the idea Make of Web three in general, <laughs> yeah, Web three is the idea of pairing this digital token uh, for goods and services. So obviously, Bitcoin is uh, you know obviously very controversial, but was one of the first ways to store value digitally. Decentralized storage is interesting because it's an actual application. You're exchanging that token for terabytes or exabytes of storage, and you're in, and you're using the blockchain. To ensure that the data remains online and accessible, um, you know, the 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 ways that we've seen Web three adopted. Obviously, large enterprises are looking at ways to do this other than just NFT drops. You're thinking of like IoT as an example, shipping and logistics, putting some of that data on a ledger where it's immutable, it can't be modified. There's a lot of certification and verification and trust, um, you know, that goes along with that. And so, there's a lot of different ways of application that Web3 will be adopted, aside from just crypto tokens and looking at charts and memes and um, you know things in that nature. There's a lot of financial service companies using it, obviously like MasterCard and Visa have started to explore ways to use the ledger for payments, uh, shipping companies, like I said earlier. Uh, but with, with data storage, you know, the, the interesting thing for me is just how much data is even on these networks today. As an example, Filecoin, one of the leading providers, they have 20 exabytes of capacity sitting idle right now. It took back it took Backblaze uh, 13 years to get to one exabyte of data under management, and Filecoin has 20 today. And so this is only going to grow over time. 
Um, you know, these, these networks are very good at supply side economics, but demand is tough. And so that's why companies like us are very exciting because we're helping to make the charts go up. We're helping to actually pay these node operators and we're helping to save businesses and enterprises a lot of money and time and agility by helping to move some of these workloads over to Web3. You know, we're not, as a company, we're not walking into Bank of America and saying, take everything out of Amazon and put it onto Web3. That's not going to happen. There's a lot of use cases where financial service firms, banks, they'll be the last to move over, just like any industry. Um, some of these networks, some of these networks are not HIPAA and SOC compliant yet. And so that's probably another discussion for another topic. But data data is untrusted all over the world. That's obviously why client-side encryption um, and other security mechanisms are helpful. But the real real benefit is that you're exchanging this crypto token for a commodity that's actually something valuable that you can then use and build a business on top of, store your data on, back up your hard drive, back up your laptop, whatever it may be, serve a static image, build, you know, integrate it with your, with your actual tech stack. Um, and so as we start to see a lot of these use cases emerge for things other than you know, cat videos and NFTs, you know, I think it's gonna be interesting. The, the, the real exciting part for me is the ability to give you as the user a way to access your data if I disappear. And that doesn't exist in web two. That doesn't exist in any of the centralized cloud providers, any of the S3 providers. If they're down, if they go bankrupt, if, you know, act of God or whatever, you lose access to your data. And so that's when Twitter goes down and we all know what happens when the cloud goes down. I envision, I envision a world one day where users won't have that problem. It just won't go down and it won't cost you money when it goes down. And that's, those are two big things that I think should be exciting for businesses and enterprises when they think about a data protection strategy, because they're used to spending so much today to ensure that that, that doesn't happen. And so that's probably like one of the top, top reasons why data protection is enacted aside from the security measures is that they need a, you know, a resiliency plan, a what if plan. Yeah, absolutely. Re resiliency, business continuity, disaster recovery, and What's at the forefront now is just security, right? Cybersecurity, making sure. And, and you mentioned and you hit on most of these things as well. Immutability worm, right? Making sure that that data is, um, is read-only. It's not able to be encrypted and changed and, and, and all of these things that, you know, some people may not realize that they have to make sure that this data, like if you create a bucket, make sure that the, the bucket is secure. Amazon doesn't get hacked. Whenever you hear of Amazon get, getting hacked, it's a bucket misconfiguration issues. This, this user had an open bucket and all of a sudden my data set's exposed. It doesn't get hacked. And so ACLs are very important. Immutability is very important. We work, we're, we're working with a company called Arweave. They're a, a blockchain network. This is the only example of data physically going on chain. So the data on the Arweave network goes on the Arweave blockchain. It grows over time. You can't modify or delete any data. So like a MongoDB database probably won't go on it, but a static image, uh, Facebook is starting to use and test this right now for a lot of their different static images. And so these things are starting to become a, a lot pre more prevalent um, and it gives users the ability to reclaim their data um, in a way that's not only tr uh, trustless, you know, there's no governor, governing ent entity controlling the data. Obviously when you send data to Amazon or anywhere else, you know, it's sitting unencrypted in a bucket somewhere in the world. Um, and so the, there's a lot of interesting things starting to become prevalent. Okay, man, I, I know we can keep going on for about 
you know, 45 we minutes will, to yeah. another hour or so. <laughs> but, you know, I want to close out just by, you know, tapping your brain to m- maybe get a book recommendation from you. What What's on your nightstand? What are you reading Ooh. these days? Ooh, oh, let me look here. So I just finished uh, The Art of Innovation, which is by one of the IDEO uh, uh, product design firms. Uh, they did like the, yeah, they did the original like, Apple products and the Palm five ah, and okay. some of those things. Okay. And so just, you know, I, I love business type books. Uh, I, I tend to read a lot of, uh, you know, business related management books and things like okay. that. And so, uh, that, that's a great book. Sounds like, the art sounds of like it's working. Some of, some of it is, is coming out in, <laughs> in your conversations and your communication. So, um, it, it's, it's Thank really, that, really been a, a pleasure having you on. And I feel a lot smarter now that, that you have shared these insights and some of the best practices and a little bit about the story of, you know, file base and, yeah. and kind of the creation of, you know, what you guys are working Thank on. You. Uh, we'll, we'll have to get you on again um, in a few months so we can kind of track and trend like toward that, that upward arc of uh, wh- where you're going and where your business is headed uh, overall. So I send nothing but positive energy your way. Thank you. Um, on, on all of your business endeavors, et cetera. So, uh, before I let you go, I just want to let the listeners know to join our backup and recovery professionals, LinkedIn group. There are over 25,000 backup recovery storage security professionals within that group right now. We're having lots of great conversations, uh, about all of those specific to- uh, topics. So if you're not a member, join join the group and uh, you will not be disappointed. So Zach, once again, thank you for being a guest on Data Protection Gumbo. Thank you. I welcome everybody to try FileBase. Go to FileBase.com. You get five gigs of object storage for free on us. Pair it with your favorite backup tool and let us know if you need any help. Awesome. Well, thank you again for being on the show.